Jeff Peterson. Yeah. Um, I watched it on the plane. Did you? Yeah, on my way over here. I was just, I was I was pretty excited about it. I got the I I, I fell into the whole capital thing about it. Like I actually paid for the ticket. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I did it. And um, I tried to watch it on the plane, but the the signal was so bad, so it was mm-hmm. just like cutting off like mm-hmm. constantly. So I had to listen to it again afterwards. It kind of helped. Yeah. But um, what do you think? I, you know, I think it's really interesting and important. I think there's been a lot of critique of uh, Zizek for quote unquote stooping so low as to debate Peterson. But I think it's, it was an interesting and important thing to happen. And I'm glad that Zizek's perspective is becoming introduced to a wide range of people and that it's introduced to Peterson's demographic and that they hopefully will be saved from uh, a more of a kind of like right-wing conservative position. Um, I just have to say that I'm sorry for being so mean, but I thought Peterson was awful. Yeah. I mean, you made this point that it's admirable that he has been standing up for the last few years and, you know, he has a... A perspective that he stands by and that it's alternative no to... that's not that's not necessarily what i not, i wouldn't even use the word admire but mm-hmm. just like what seems interesting to me about peterson is that he's one of the few people that are trying to that is trying to like articulate some kind of alternative mm-hmm. Absolutely. but it's kind of paradoxical because at the same time his whole thing is just like accepting the status quo exactly and like capitalism is mm. the ultimate sort of like economic system and like there's mm. there's really nothing else so it's just like trying to optimize what already exists exactly. but when it comes to like personal life mm-hmm. everybody's just kind of like we don't know mm-hmm. there, there needs to be an alternative including mm-hmm. Zizek Zizek mm-hmm. is very much like somebody needs to come mm-hmm. up with a political alternative mm-hmm. you know he does some things about like the historic discourse and all of that but I think that I'll, most philosophers just kind of like they deflect the idea of just trying to articulate like an alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Peterson is maybe a fool for doing so, but mm-hmm. he, he does it very unashamedly. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. At least it's, well, talking about I'm not honesty to it, way, I was going to say, at least there's an honesty to it. I almost don't think it, there's an honesty to it because it, there has been like a refusal to like accept that it's just a common garden conservative position, like a retro, a retro conservative, like, the whole critique of the um, the Communist Manifesto. The Spark Notes. Yeah, my God, it's like, what are you, 12? The, I, this sounds, yeah, I mean, I'm probably a bit mean about Peterson, but, and as I say, like, I do admire, at least he's trying, like, I, I would be more critical of liberal identitarianism than Peterson. And at least he's try. At least he's saying that, like you know, we need to do something about so it. Yeah. So here's the thing: I'd rather listen to somebody that foolishly sort of like asserts a specific position mm-hmm. than someone that like will self. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, exactly. Jizik debated that it was just like, mm-hmm. so what are we gonna do, Slavoj? Like, yeah, exactly. What are we supposed to do? Like just kind of like being on the margins yeah. and like not really uh, uh, adding anything mm-hmm. to the conversation, mm-hmm. just kind of like poking Jizik, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but. I don't know. It was. I'd rather watch this. Yeah, yeah. Than, uh, yeah. But it, you know, the the whole, I, the thing that was hilarious, <laughs> as and this is the the main frustration that I've had for, with Peterson, since, 
he started to be, they started to, you know, listen to him and realize what he's doing, is that he's like shadow boxing. He's shadow, as in, he is casting a whole gamut of people as a certain thing when they're just not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're saying that um, he's actually just kind of like basically the status quo. Yeah. Just as the liberal identitarians are the status quo and they're two sides of the same coin. So he is angry with people who are effectively capitalists just like he is. And any the, the use of the word Marxist in his term just doesn't exist or the Marxist... The Marxists, you know, this. so he's been just completely using the wrong term and has created this imaginary foil when actually the foil is his own shadow, yeah. as in a different form of a capitalist. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was great when it became clear when he, you know, so he heard uh, Zizek's intervention and was like, oh, well, hang on, you haven't answered this, this and this. It's like, well, he has, but what you thought that was isn't what a Marxist thinks. Yeah. So I thought that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if people were expecting to listen to this debate and come up with like, who, so who will win? Mm-hmm. It wasn't really about that at all. Mm-hmm. It was more just, because there was sort of like an impasse in their mm-hmm. communication because the target was the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was ID politics. Yeah. Or it was just like liberal people that are like, like hyper moralizers mm-hmm. because of a loss of identity mm-hmm. through uh, capitalist uh, estrangement. Mm-hmm. And I think that they agreed on that. Mm-hmm. Well, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it, it. Peterson was ready to just sort of like attack Zizek on that specific point. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even bother. I yeah. mean, Zizek didn't even bother like going to that. He just started talking about, uh, you know, other yeah. stuff. But uh, he yeah. just he did his like literal, usual intervention. Yeah. Exactly the same as always. I love the way he turned up in like a t shirt and jeans. And didn't he turned up in like a t-shirt and jeans and didn't even like oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with his and uh, piece him with his like the sweaty feet. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Just uh, what do you think about the fact that that Peterson used the Communist Manifesto as like and like here's the five reasons why the Communist Manifesto is wrong. Yeah, he went to ten. <laughs> it was just. I don't know. I think he was like the type of discourse mm-hmm. that I think he's used to is like that whole, you know, with like Sam Harris or mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro, mm-hmm. which is very systematic, yeah. and, but in a boring kind of yeah. like ad- academic way. And uh, well, I think Zizek is one of the reasons why he's sort of neglected by the academy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's, he's just not like that at all. I mean, he, mm-hmm. I think he just like borrows from from a lot of different disciplines and like brings them together mm-hmm. and he's very like scatterbrained yeah but obviously worked because that was very i think disorienting for for peterson yeah that's yeah. interesting it's a good point i i thought you know to to like to take on to to just use the the communist manifesto to say like okay i'm going to analyze the entire of of ridley scott based on the one ad he made for a charity when he was like 25. Yeah. It's very, very weird. And just, this is the thing that I do, I do find a bit worrying is that someone of that caliber could be like a tenured professor. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ability to like actually read a source and understand what the source, you know, the, the, like the actual context of the source to read an original text and understand it 
to be able to like differentiate between someone's early work and someone's late work, you know, the motivations of a, of a text. It, that kind of was a bit worrying to me. But I, I think that the fact, you know, it's not to speak to like Preston's intelligence, but it might be just like an ideological thing that he just like, for, you know, all of that was just forgotten. So here's um, the deal. Like Peterson said in a video before mm-hmm. the debate that he got seven of Zizek's mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because then in the debate he said something like, well, he's mm-hmm. such an original thinker that I realized that I couldn't really yeah. like engage with his work in yeah. that amount of time. Just yeah. like, just read one book. One book, yeah. But it, it, like, it, it was very obvious that yeah. he didn't, yeah. he wasn't familiar. Like maybe he just like yeah. looked at a few videos yeah. on, on YouTube or whatever. But uh, that I think that was like the extent of his knowledge yeah. of like Zizek's work, not to yeah. mention like Marx. My God, just My like God. reading. Just like My reading. God. I mean... Yeah. If he, no wonder he discredits Marx so yeah. quickly because it's not an in-depth look at yeah, capitalism. Like Marx is like Marx is not the Communist Manifesto. Like that's a very specific text written for a very specific purpose at a very specific time for a very specific audience, i.e., uneducated workers. It's not like it, it's not Marx. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like the 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 leap from Marxism, as in. So he kind of understands Marx as like, okay, you have the people in power and the people not in power. So like, uh, re- he's basically talking about like ressentiment. Yep. But and then and then like how that goes to liberal identity politics. Mm-hmm. And there are all these like givens. I have to say, I did. I listened to the first ten minutes intervention. So I like, please do critique me. I feel bad that I. Just couldn't sit through the whole of the Peterson thing, so I'm giving like an opinion on like I'm maybe doing exactly what Peterson's doing. <laughs> and so like I'm doing the communist manifesto mm. analysis of Peterson from the ten minutes, but there was a kind of thing of like a lot of givens in what he was saying. So so it seems obvious to me that this leads to you know it, it yeah. is these kind of leaps of leaps of logic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think yeah that that lack of ability to be rational about it probably speaks to the fact that it's an ideological perspective rather than a logical one. Yeah, and he was also just kind of like, he was changing or shifting between Mm -hmm. the Communist Manifesto and what he thinks is just postmodernism. Yeah. So he made this criticism at some point where he was saying that, like, you know, if you have, like, the dictatorship of the proletariat or Mm -hmm. whatever, that how come at no point does it question itself? Like, it's not self-conscious mm-hmm. enough to like self-critique mm-hmm. and yeah i think he was saying just like you know postmodernism is just like this disbelief in meta-narratives or the mm-hmm. skepticism it's like at no point are they skeptic uh, uh skeptical of, of of themselves it's just like marx is not that type of thinker at all no. like he is making an analysis yeah. of how capital works yeah and I think that if he would have read something like Capital, like, yeah. or or uh, he would know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's not a proposition about like an alternative to capitalism. No. It's literally just analysis. Yeah. So it's not a meta narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. It's like breaking down meta narratives. It's like. In fact, I think yeah. that maybe just capital is sort of like capitalism becoming self conscious. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. I know it's. Uh, you're right. It's, just, it's always like there's nothing much more to say other than like Peterson hasn't read the original text and has just like what the fuck Stephen Hicks. 
<laughs> Stephen Hicks. So yeah. what were some of your, uh, what about when Zizek talked, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, something that I wanted to talk about was his idea of like the position of the hysteric, um, which we just listened to a talk by Todd McGowan uh, with Stephen Belfast at the moment. He's been over um, as part of this festival and we went to one of his talks. Um, and somebody asked a question about the idea of the position of the hysteric. And so, you know, so in the, in the 68 period, the idea was that the ultimate position was the perversion. And Zizek is saying that the ultimate position is the hysteric. But I actually think, like, it's got to be this hysteric plus the analyst, like an analysed hysteric. You see what I mean? So, like, uh-huh. like an well, analytical position in relation to the hysteric. Well, I think that it's not just, like, the way that Zizek talks about it is not just, like, just a hysteric mm-hmm, position, mm-hmm. but the hysteric discourse. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one that is just kind of, like... Because there is, like, four discourses, like, mm-hmm. the, 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 the analytic mm-hmm. discourse, the master discourse, the hysteric discourse, and then the university discourse. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, the analytic discourse is very different from the hysteric. Mm-hmm. Because that the hysteric one is just like basically trying to get out of the master mm-hmm. discourse, like trying to poke holes on it yeah, and trying to find yeah. like that it's not, you know, this this ultimate knowledgeable thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's interested in knowledge, but with a very different uh, with a very different end than mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the analyst discourse. Mm-hmm. So the, the kind of the poking holes is like a, a questioning, a perpetual questioning. Yeah. Because I kind of think, you know, you raised a good point earlier today about, so the talk that we went to is about capitalism and identity politics and the idea that we have to have a universalist position rather than an identitarian position and that uh, a clinging to identity is a direct result of capitalism itself. But the thing that that joins us together, the one universal, is the lack. Yeah, the incompleteness of the subject. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean like by an analytic position. It's like, or an analyzed subject as in like in psychoanalysis you come to confront the fact that you are a lacking subject mm-hmm. and as soon as we like that's how we can have a universal yeah is to well to to recognize the the failure of identity mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly and i think that i think i, I think that was uh, peterson's mistake mm-hmm. in, in in the whole debate because he was saying that he was treating sort of like the working class or the proletariat mm-hmm. as if it was an identity mm-hmm. and it's not an identity yeah, exactly. because it's it can't be reduced to a particular. Mm-hmm. It's something that cuts across through everybody mm-hmm. because labor... That's the other thing. Uh, Peterson was saying that there's an absence of nature in Marx's mm-hmm. uh, thought mm-hmm. and really just like labor is the way that Marx says that we relate to nature. Mm-hmm. Like nature demands from us labor and that's mm-hmm. the way that we communicate with, with nature. Um, so... It cuts across through all of humanity mm-hmm. and it can't be reduced to the particular. So it is a universal sort mm-hmm. of like a position. And um, and I think that Zizek sees that, you know, when you get to identity politics and all of this, like it's switching or, or trading the universal to for the particular. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, yeah, no, Todd raised a really interesting point this morning about the idea that identity or a clinging to identity is what is like a direct reaction to capitalism itself. And that identity becomes like a release valve for capitalism to to perpetuate itself. And that uh, 
capitalism has almost at its most intense at its times of failure. So, uh, you know, after the speculative capital ended up in disaster in the 1920s, plus austerity from the 1919 agreement, Treaty of Versailles, you have a situation in Germany where you have Nazism. And obviously we have had a failure of capitalism post-2008. And that's potentially why identity is so strong. But also, you know, the, the, these periods where uh, capitalism has failed and uh, is at its most intense are also times that we can really, really question things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's potentially why identity is, the question of identity is so, is so intense right now because we are at our most estranged. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we, but I guess this is the thing, you know, that like, the hysteric, the perpetual question of like, who am I to you? You know, so mm. the kind of the question of identity rather than the covering over of identity itself. Yeah, well, the way that I understand the, the hysteric discourse is just like, not who am I to you, but who are you to say mm-hmm. that you're, you mm-hmm. know, you're a master. Mm-hmm. So it's it's directly tied to the master, mm-hmm. the master signifier, or sorry, the master discourse. And it's just like asking, like, all of this knowledge that you have accumulated, mm-hmm. like, what is it, what does it amount to? Yeah. And like, who do you think you are? And, and, like, and to, yeah. You know, yeah. So to, yeah, to have that position. And, but one of the things that I, I thought it was interesting is just that, I think that Peterson really, he he finds this, like, the position of, like, authority mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. And, like, to him, it's just, like, you know, it's, it's what keeps the wheels of society, yeah. like, rolling. And it's just, like, I don't know if he ever got to think, like... Okay, so the, it's, it's very interesting, like, and it's something that Zizek said, it's, like... He was talking about like the hierarchy of like lobsters yeah. and like and all that. It's just like, but you know what? Like even even the top lobster, like he doesn't have any authority. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was very interesting because, as much as like Peterson wants to cut through identity as much mm-hmm. as he wants to with like, you know, Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. or like trans movements or LGBT whatever, mm-hmm. like he's not willing to cut across like the like the authority figure like yeah. in quotations like yeah. of of like hierarchies yeah. like why wouldn't he be willing to just like reflect on that as well because mm-hmm. he should go all the way yeah and he should question like all types of identities exactly yeah. so it's almost like an identitarianism of like success or like capitalism itself like a doubling down on we are people who are successful under capitalism you know as an identity yeah. and you know the whole we are the kind of people who self-improve and do actually um i actually did download peterson's like self-authoring thing like a terrible fascination <laughs> with this yeah. and it's yeah it's just it's, it's just so odd to me as somebody as in as as he who has historically called himself a psychoanalyst but this was when you were lost no, no, this was quite. Well, this was actually relatively recently. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was actually relatively recently. So you're still lost. Well, of course, <laughs> just, but like yeah. I don't care about the fact that I'm lost, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, just kind of like out of no, curiosity. I'm just kidding. But it's um, it is a nonsense. Like actually, I I didn't realize that it was his thing until I actually realized like, oh, I've actually seen this self-authoring thing. But somebody who, um, yeah, has called himself a quote unquote psychoanalyst, or at least has an, uh, like uh, an interest in depth psychology. It's like a series of questions, this thing, where you ask yourself like what you want to do and what you want to achieve and how you're going to do it. You know, not understanding that 
we are alien to ourselves. We don't even know our desires. You know, not taking into consideration the idea of like self-sabotage. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but again, I, I just cannot understand how somebody like this basic yeah, it's well, like a university professor. Yeah, again, like, I just don't think that that was the issue for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even think that they disagree on that. Maybe for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I've heard Peterson say that a few times here and there. Just like, what do you know about what you mm-hmm. want? Mm-hmm. It's just like... You, oh, so he does actually... Yeah, he that. does He does do that. Okay. Uh, he's just like, well, you know, like, we don't know what we want. Mm-hmm. We don't know our desire. So he, di- I mean, he, he does, does it from yeah. like a union perspective of just like... Uh, you know, we're just not identical to ourselves. And yeah. So he does do a little bit of that. Yeah. But I think the way that... I think where, where they have fundamental differences on their idea... For example, Pearson is, like, famous for this this whole video where he's just, like... what well, we, we had a good laugh about that. It's just, like, if you think you're going to oh, usher in the... Sunshine. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. communist utopia. Think again, sunshine. Think again, like, sunshine. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> I think he's, I don't know, I think he's trying to fit Marxism into this whole mm-hmm. kind of meta-narrative, but it's not even a narrative. Mm-hmm. A narrative is just like a, it's just an analysis. But um, I thought it was very interesting that they actually got to talking about utopias. Mm-hmm. And Zizek talked about, you know, just like, we should be, he was talking about immigrants. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. saying that, like, it's not utopic to think that we can live with with immigrants and mm-hmm. just like welcome everybody and like no mm-hmm. borders or whatever like the real utopia yeah. is to live under the ideology that makes you think that you don't have to do anything about it yeah. and things yeah. will just resolve Absolutely. themselves yeah and uh yeah yeah and also yeah. not taking into account just like the way that the capitalism lives off of the production of immigrants yeah, yeah. yeah. no absolutely the idea that uh you know, in this talk that Tom McGowan gave today, it's the idea of like tuning out and that the ultimate capitalist is the one who tunes out, who like goes off grid, you know. It's funny, there's like a big thing in, in the States, especially seems like on, I see it a lot on YouTube, this kind of like millennial movement of like living off grid or like living in a camper van, like retiring early. Um, but that's almost like the most capitalistic thing. And this thing of like, oh, don't read the news, don't participate, just, oh, yeah. just ignore it. But that's almost like, that's almost like the utopian thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's the possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think of when they actually started talking to each other after they, because yeah, Zizek did like his greatest hits, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm actually glad I did because I don't know if you saw it, but mm-hmm. on Reddit and uh, a few other websites, mm-hmm. like forums, people that were very interested mm-hmm. just in, on Peterson like winning the debate yeah uh they started to say like well you know he wasn't at his best yeah. and actually Shishik wasn't that bad he was pretty yeah. good so yeah. there's a lot of people just making posts of like hey can you recommend mm-hmm. some books mm-hmm. and there's also a bunch of like leftists that are just like going into the like Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. subreddit and just being like hey if you like Zizek, it's kind yeah, of annoying yeah, yeah. but yeah. just like if you like Shishik like here are some books that yeah. you can start yeah. with and everything but what do you think of when they were you know, talking to each other already. Okay, so the parts that I listened to were the 10-minute intervention of each of them at the beginning and then Zizek's riposte. I just skipped through the rest of it. And the stuff that Jordan Peterson was talking and the bit they were chatting to each other. But you didn't... Oh, you didn't watch, like, the the, the very end? No. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Did I miss out? God, I'm terrible. That was really the best part, like, so, so tell me about it. What was... Uh, well, so there was a part, for example, where Zizek was just 
uh, he kind of pushed Peterson into a corner mm-hmm. and was like, okay, so I've heard you talk about this. And we should talk about this as well, like the figure mm-hmm. of the Jew mm-hmm. within Jesus' work. But mm-hmm. I think he said something like, you know, you, you're, you're often talking about this like postmodern mm-hmm. neo-Marxist or mm-hmm. cultural Marxist. Mm-hmm. You talk about them all the time. You say that they're, you know, like a cancer in society mm-hmm. and whatever. That they, they're like that that uh, the universities belong to these yeah, people yeah. and like you know like they they're creating a discourse mm-hmm. that is just like putrid or whatever it's like what so he was like where are these marxists yeah, yeah. like where are they tell me and actually peterson was just kind of like he you know he mentioned something i think he mentioned mm-hmm. like the hetero- heterodox yeah. project mm-hmm. just like i mean it was weird i looked at the website and it was yeah. just like what who are these, who are these, these people, people? like yeah. it didn't even matter yeah um uh, but he was just kind of like caught off his guard yeah. and uh at the same time, I think he mentioned like Derrida and Foucault. Yeah. And Chizek was just like, you know, well, are you aware that Foucault's yeah. like main target yeah. was Marxism? And he didn't even say anything back. So I'm surprised really? that he wasn't more prepared. Like, I, I, I just think, do you know what? I think that like, I mean, it could be a symptom of the fact that Peterson feels are so alone in the academy. The academy has been. Actually, I'm not within a university, so I could be wrong. And I do know a lot of people at uni- who teach at universities who don't, who aren't of the liberal perspective, but they just don't say it. But he feels so alone <laughs> that he's like built up this whole like narrative around himself. And I think, yeah, no, it is, it's just created this like fairy tale. But I mean, yeah. it, you know, that's not to say that these people don't exist, but what he's thinking of as Marxists aren't Marxists. In fact, they are capitalists. And the fact that they are the ones that are being spoken about suggests that they are useful to the capitalist project. And the capitalist project uses identitarianism, well, it's not even a project, the capitalist quote-unquote system, you, you know, identitarianism is necessary to it. Yeah. And it's necessary to it because we are so estranged in our labour as we are like individualized under capitalism so these were were equalized right so like that that's one of mcgowan's points in Mm -hmm. in capitalism desire is just like you know they think that like the liberal dream is Mm -hmm. to have like this sort of like equality Mm -hmm. for everybody and and whatever it's just like no Mm -hmm. it's actually capitalism that equalizes everybody Mm -hmm. and the hunger for diversity comes Mm -hmm. in there like into play and that's basically like you know the like the fault of uh, of identity politics mm-hmm. like is that is that you know it falls into these things of like instead of being uh, instead of fighting for like a universal mm-hmm. uh, thing it's just like you know more diversity exactly so this is the thing that but, I mean, do you remember that meme that i sent you like, oh uh... yeah fantastic meme the best <laughs> meme i've ever seen <laughs> so that, yeah what was, what was it just so like... it's a lisa simpson it's like a there's a, a a well-known like lisa simpson meme she's like talking to a classroom and she's angry and right? she's angry and you like replace the you know whatever words are on the blackboard and it says yeah there was a guy maybe giving a lecture or something mm-hmm. it was saying like now the one percent like mm-hmm. owns or, or, or like the one percent or the top percent of the one percent is like Six six men, yeah. six men or something like six yeah. white men, yeah. and then Lisa comes in. She's like, "That's unacceptable." Like at least three of those women should, should be, be women. Of yeah, color. so 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 it's like yeah, the, the the leftist position is like yeah, this six eight the eight men in the world own fifty yeah, yeah. percent of the world's wealth or whatever, and then the liberals say, 
that's terrible. At least three of them should be women of color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. There's um, uh, the the top. Four, I think this. I could be misquoting, but it's something like this: that the top four heads of the top the five biggest arms dealers in the world are women, and the head of the CIA was some really high position in the CIA, women right. or whatever. You know that. Yeah. You know, as if that's a. You know, the, uh, Captain Marvel was basically sponsored by the Air Force. You know, it's a feminist movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, no, it's a... But again, the thing is that this I is, think there's slightly a feminist different. movie probably nobody has ever heard of. Yeah. What's that? No, just Captain Marvel. Just Captain, the Captain Marvel, yeah, but it's yeah. this obscure feminist movie. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if it's... it's a, you know, capitalism has a tendency to capitalise on anything. So anything that's in public discourse as a critique of capitalism is capitalised upon. So... You know, the sexual revolution, capitalism, capitalized on the sexual, sexual revolution and just expanded capitalism into the realm of the bedroom, you know, using yeah. sex to sell, etc. Um, and now we have the likes of Tinder, where you're literally like a product in a market. But capitalism has capitalized on the notion that, you know, identity politics became a notion that was a way to critique capitalism. But it's actually not. It's actually the very release valve of capitalism itself. And so, yeah, this this notion of, uh, you know, feminist discourse within, like, corporate ideology is just capitalism, capitalism on any... capitalising on any critique of itself yeah. to sell itself. Which is why it's so hard to uh, critique capitalism. Mm. And that really the only way to critique capitalism is through a universal, universalist perspective. Yeah. As in, what we share, which is why I guess you know the whole the whole notion of hierarchies is just like so distasteful. Well, it's just like you know you are completely you. Yeah. Like whether you're a master or you're a slave, mm-hmm. like that's what you are. Yeah. And there's no, you know, there's no element of chaos there. Um. That sort of displaces you from your position, mm-hmm. your supposed position. So, yeah, I mean, and I do think that just like the, the universal's position is this, you know, to, to acknowledge the incompleteness of the subject. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. embodies itself like in many different places that we don't, we don't uh, necessarily just like notice very, mm-hmm. very fast. But it's just like, uh, you know, in our relationships, mm-hmm. uh, in our, you know, ethnic sort of like uh, background. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think... Really, and this is this is what maybe needs to happen, and it's like the analytic discourse mm-hmm. uh, that. Well, actually, Jameson asked that to mm-hmm. to Todd, Todd right? Yeah. He's like, "Do you think it's a hysteric position? Yeah. Or is there a discourse position that is is the answer to, for the universalist yeah. position?" It's just like, no, I just it's, it's the analyst, yeah. and basically, it's just to go through symbolic castration. Yeah, it's yeah. just to distrust or like to 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 not recognize who you think you are in society, yeah. your place in society as a worker, or as mm-hmm. a father, or as a mother, or whatever. It's just like, all of a sudden it becomes strange to you mm-hmm. because you feel so alienated from mm-hmm. it because that's what that's what it means to be a subject. Mm-hmm. You're just like, you can't recognize yourself at some point. It's interesting, you know, that we have a lot of these um, in 2019 or post-2008 um, accumulation of identities. As By the well. way, we're saying just a quick aside. Yeah. We're saying Jameson. We're talking about Jameson Webster. Yeah, sure. Great we, writer. We will be interviewing her. Yeah. Uh, next time. Yeah. Well, who knows which order we'll release any of these in? But um, yeah, the accumulation of identities. 
So as a white cis, was that a cis? I don't actually, I don't think I have any other identities. <laughs> so white cis, I don't know. The most, the most persecuted. Like the least, yeah, like <laughs> the least persecuted. Um, you know, this accumulation of identities speaks to the failure of identity. That like no matter how much we try to harness or like staple down a certain identity, it will always fail. So you get, you know, take an example as a non-binary Muslim femme. Fem, was it Personal, a femme fatale? Or femme is like, it's like a fem, fem, I, I, I like, I'll get it all wrong, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah. person of, or you know, another one, sexualities. How literally just what is a fetish becomes a specific sexuality. Have so, you heard of these uh, furries? Yeah, I have, yes. Yeah, oh my God, you know about this? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm sorry, it's just weird to me, I guess. Well, fetishes are really weird, but like, I just, you know, th so this infinite, like, yeah, it's see. So this is we have these two arbitrary poles of man and woman, mm. or somebody who fancies men and somebody who fancies women. Like, okay, arbitrary. Like a number is arbitrary, a name's arbitrary, and of course you have deviations from it. But it's like going down into the absolute. I fancy table legs. You know, turning yeah. that into an identity. But yeah, the accumulation of identity speaks to the absolute failure of any attempt to. Yeah. Have an identity. By the way, just like maybe this goes a little bit off of the uh, of the main subject. Yeah. But I was talking to somebody the other day and she was saying that like, you know, it's just like she was complaining about, you know, the norms of beauty or whatever. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, just like how yeah. oh, that's a toll yeah. on women. Yeah. Some men or whatever. And I was just like, I don't think it is at all. Like, yeah, I don't think so. Because eventually, like what brings you together with someone mm. it's not necessarily that he looks like somebody in a magazine mm -hmm. or whatever like relationships like attraction mm -hmm. in relationships is it goes through fetish yeah. not through conventional yeah, sort of, of like you know yeah. so what you were saying is like you know i'm attracted to her because her legs resemble yeah you know table legs yeah, yeah. not because they you know oh they're like whatever scholar johansson's legs or yeah, anybody yeah. Uh, so do you, do you agree with that? Is no, this no, like... like totally, totally. I mean, there's, like, there's no accounting for someone's, you know, what I was going to say, fetish. Like, mm -hmm. No, but yeah. this is like, it's fetish that orders attraction. romance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, romantic attraction. I mean, I mean, it'd be interesting. I'm not, like, I'm not an expert by any means, but it'd be interesting, you know, so in terms of, like, norms of beauty, potentially they come about because of, a fetish of it at a given time you know like whatever they resemble some aspect of a mother or you know in some yeah. cultures like large breasts on a woman are attractive and in others yeah, yeah. they're not you know yeah but it's just like yeah. whenever whenever anybody just talks about like you know, oh you know i like guys that look like whatever mm -hmm. jake gillenhall or yeah. whatever it's just like nah nah like that's not what you like yeah like what you should really be asking yourself is like what's your fetish because yeah. that's eventually going to decide who you end up with yeah Interesting. Um, I was going to say, so why do you think um, Peterson has been uh, so interesting to so many people for this past while? I think because of what we started talking about, it's just like he's saying something. Like, yeah, he's saying something. It's very similar yeah. to like Marie Kondo. 
where she's like, oh, yeah. you know, like clean your room. Or, yeah. or sorry, no, he, he, she doesn't. She says like uh, order your room mm-hmm. or throw things out that don't spark yeah, happiness or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, so you had a really interesting point about that, that you think that's just like a capitalist conspiracy that we're going to end up having to live in such tiny spaces that they uh, want us to get used yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically just like the less things that you have, the less estate that you need. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just need less space and it's like, you know, just kind of preparing people to live in pods. Yeah, you know, the Japanese of, style kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's like, I mean, that not that the way that capitalism mm-hmm. just sort of like convinces people into its, you know, way of life is just yeah. like, it's it's romanticized. Yeah. It's just like, I have less things and it's romantic mm-hmm. to me because I'm like, whatever, I'm like unattached to like mm-hmm. uh, material objects. And it's just, yeah. but really what it, <laughs> what it translates to, to. And, and capital is just like, oh, okay, so you have less things, okay, you need less space. And, uh, it's interesting because like, uh, minimalism is quite a, you know, it's a, it's a movement which has some, you know, benefits and I totally respect it, but it can yeah, be yeah. quite a capitalist thing in the same. I think, I think you know, it, it's almost I, like, instead of accumulation, it's like, yeah, getting rid of is all being wealthy enough to not, you know. Yeah, I just think to, it's, yeah, I just think it's more of this sort of like, um, uh, self-management mm-hmm. or self-policing yeah. of yeah. like you know the, the the impotence that you feel from everything just changing so rapidly through capital is mm-hmm. just like what else do you do than yeah. hang on to identity mm-hmm. or self-management i know it's exactly self-management is a really interesting one and obviously uh, you know a moral policing and this is uh, part of the reason why i like Ishijek so much is this like a reverence and his you know not falling into the trap of uh allowing yourself to be policed <laughs> Yeah. Um, but you know the liberal identitarianism is very much about policing thoughts and policing speech and policing um, you know it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a control of the individual and um, lots of things like vegan, you know there's nothing wrong with veganism in and of itself but the turning in a veganism into like a moral thing is like a protect the planet it's an it's a it's the it's a romantic part of it. It's a, it's a way to avoid actually questioning capitalism in terms of class and labor. Yeah. And oh, we're just solving the problem by basically being a, having a form of orthorexia. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the release valve. You know, recycling. Yeah. Let's recycle individually our six cans of coke, but just oh, just continue mining cobalt in the Congo. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned the valve because mm-hmm. if you try to repress the you know your incompleteness as a mm-hmm. subject, it mm-hmm. will come out in another way. Yeah, in a way that is toxic. Yeah. So obviously, for a lot of identity groups, like there's extreme pleasure in being mm-hmm. excluded. Mm-hmm. So I think I don't necessarily think that the desire of a lot of like minority groups is. Mm-hmm. Is to be included. Mm-hmm. Like actually, I think that there's a sense in which they enjoy their exclusion. Yeah. Um, and they want to keep things that yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. Because once it stops, like oh my god, that would be the most horrifying thing. Yeah. And it's like this is this is where that thing comes up. It's like the worst thing that can happen to you is getting what you want. Yeah. So inclusion for like a lot of like minority groups would be the worst thing to happen because then you know it would lose its edge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know that this isn't to say, of course, that a lot of groups that started off with a universalist project have been cast as identitarian groups or have become such. I think, you know, feminism in its early days was a universalist egalitarian project. But then you have to ask your question why it's called feminism. Mm -hmm. Um, Because often when you have a 
you know, the word these ist words. Ableist means that you favor able people. Yeah. For example, <laughs> it's yeah. just interesting that it's called that. But you know, as in Black Lives Matter, egalitarian project at its core. One wonders whether you know the media has cast something like Black Lives Matter as uh, an identitarian project in order to rile people to maintain capitalism. Yeah. Um, you know, it's within capitalist capitalism's. Uh, you know, it's beneficial to capitalism for it not to be an egalitarian project. Yeah. So to, to cast it and to broadcast it as as identitarian. Um, yeah, because the, the only the only way, the literal only way that I can see to critique capitalism is like a Marxist awareness of the change that you are in, an understanding of the system and a universalist project. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's capitalism, what is it, like for itself. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, I mean, that... I think I think that's just like Peter's biggest mistake mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that he sees that he sees Marxism as a sort of like proposal to like replace capitalism. Yeah, exactly. It just never it's was not. That. It's not that at all. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like one wonders whether kind of a universalist world would look economically, apart from it being fair, that much different. Yeah. You know, as if everybody is, let's say, everybody is able to go through psychoanalysis and no longer becomes like an accumulating subject that you do things you know there, there, there are enough resources now and we have the technology to distribute resources and for there to enough to go around yeah that it will you know whether actually us going to work day to day would look any different yeah. um yeah so that's so we talked about marxism because i think that the three the three topics happiness marxism Capitalism. Communism. 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 Or Marxism. Actually. Marxism, capitalism, happiness. Yeah. So we talked about Marxism, we talked about capitalism. What do you think about uh, Peterson on happiness? I think, look, you know, I don't like his language. Mm-hmm. I don't like his references. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way that he talks about it. And, uh, you know, we, we don't like his voice either. <laughs> no. He does have a very strange voice. I also feel very, very guilty for not having sat down and watched the whole debate. You should but watch the in end my defence, yeah. I have watched so many hundreds of hours of Peterson that I could have missed like a real gem in this. I feel yeah. like, because often, you know, especially in the past, if you were to critique Peterson, you'd get this whole thing of you haven't listened to, you haven't read his books, you haven't listened to him, you haven't done your research. If you actually listened, you'd realise that. Da, 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 da. But I think that's just coming from a perspective of somebody who doesn't know that there's an alternative to Peterson. So I do feel bad that I'm commenting on this, but yeah. I haven't watched it all. But in my defense, I have watched hours and 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 pieces. Well, yes. I mean, I think the cool thing about this, not cool, but it's just like unusual, mm-hmm. is that they talk to each other. Yeah. Right after Zizek finishes yeah. giving his whole thing, like they actually sit down and talk to, to each other. So that yeah. that's and I think you know, that's just the part that was like worth the whole thing. Cause... And was and he like Peterson kind of understood that that there was a lot of I don't know if there's points of agreement but you know as in like potentially not systematic agreement but points of agreement factually between them mm, I don't know I don't know what was going on through, mm-hmm. his, through his head but like I do think that he eventually found out that he was out of his depth yeah uh, it yeah. does feel like at some point he took a dramatic turn to just 
kind of like I'm not admiring Zizek, mm-hmm. but just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm going to ask you questions and instead of just assuming your yeah. position or whatever. Yeah. So it was interesting because, I mean, they they were both kind of nice. Although Zizek mm-hmm. was just kind of like, you know, he was maybe being a little bit sarcastic here yeah. and there and yeah. like making fun of him in a way that was kind of subtle. Yeah. But yeah, I don't... It, but he deserved it. I mean, not for being Peterson, but just for being so... Because he, he wasn't just Peterson. He was like unprepared Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. It's me for this podcast. I mean, I know it was... <laughs> exactly. There was a... I, I have to say, yeah, that the, the, the aspects that I... The trouble is I, he was prepared for something that he thought ex- was what he was confronting. Mm-hmm. But that just do, doesn't exist. It wasn't there. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't there. It wasn't there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when it comes to happiness, what's your what's your hot take well, on happiness? Well, so I think it's interesting that so Peterson does have kind of like a you know a uh, a um, dissatisfaction edge. You know, it's an oh life shit, deal with it, sunshine. You know, whatever. <laughs> but there is a kind of like a teleology to his thing of like achieving something and getting meaning out of your life and ordering it and. I don't know whether happiness is the right word, but like certainly seeing the self-authoring thing, it's like these going after these things that, you know, will fulfill you potentially, but there's something that will fulfill you. Yeah. Um, and there's a slightly Jungian element in there of, you know, what you're meant to do, what your unconscious wants you to do, your subconscious or whatever. Um, but yeah, like happiness, I guess, in like a Lacanian sense, doesn't necessarily exist or exists momentarily fleetingly and again this whole idea of like not knowing what would make you happy not knowing really what happiness is that all these things elude us that we don't know our own desires um yeah yeah i i do also think that they agreed on happiness Mm -hmm. pretty much because they didn't agree on communism Mm -hmm. because you know it, it was just like they had different targets they also didn't agree on capitalism because mm-hmm. Peterson was just saying like if you, he was saying something like if you care about the poor, mm-hmm. capitalism is the best, is the best, you know, yeah, it's the best yeah. system. Yeah. And but they did agree on happiness, yeah. yeah. As that capital, sorry, that happiness is sort of just like an offshoot yeah. of something else. Something like else, yeah. You dedicate your life yeah. to something else, yeah. And happiness is just sort of like a coincidence or yeah. like an aggregate yeah. Yeah. to yeah. just like devoting yourself yeah. to something else. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that was the, the part where they were just mm-hmm. mostly agreeing. In agreement. Um, do you know what I'm also just realizing? I uh, listened to almost all of it, I think, but I think that I, because Peter was listening to it and I listened to it loads when we were laying a vinyl floor for a film sheet. We had it on the background, but I was kind of like half listening to it. So I thought I'd missed a lot more than I had, but actually all of these points I did listen to, but I felt like yeah. it was just so unimpactful. I don't know why. Um, the other thing I was going to say, yes, yeah, so that point about capitalism, like if you care about the poor, then capitalism, you know, and, and, and raising people in the third world out, out of poverty is like a real fallacy, you know, that is, is a, it's like an almost like a propagandistic point of capitalism, not taking into account that like, okay, yeah, you, you have $2 a day instead of one, but how much does it cost to exist day to day now that there is more capital in this country? Like three times yeah. the amount. And also it's, it's just reductionist yeah. to wage. Yeah. Like yeah. what, who, who gives a yeah. shit about yeah. that? Like mm-hmm. there's so much more to, to it that, you know, like what about like the dignity of the mm-hmm. subject yeah, exactly. or just like, you know, the, um, the rights mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So it's just like, 
And that was one of Xi's points. It's just mm-hmm. like that's. I think that's why he mm-hmm. didn't reduce it to labor mm-hmm. or sorry wage. He reduced it to just like the problems that happen when you have this sort of like extreme inequality yeah, between yeah, the rich and the poor. It's, like, it's basically like yeah. unlivable sort of states that yeah, create yeah, yeah. Uh, immigrants. Absolutely, and you know this is something I think we touched on it in a different podcast in terms of. You know how historically the uh, industrial revolution is seen as some is seen as a point of like great, you know, terrible oppression of workers and also great change. I feel like that that notion um, is something that is part of this idea that capitalism, uh, industrial revolutions help everybody and poor people out. But you know, it that change only happened in certain countries because we were confronted by the horrors of the capitalist system and labors under the under those conditions that things change mm. certainly we do not we are not confronted by the absolute horror of things when it's out there in the third world and that change doesn't happen yeah. that's not to say that you know there there aren't movements in those countries themselves but like what power do you have when you have so little yeah um yeah and i and also just know. like the way that he sees it is just like he thinks he thinks that the poor and the rich are just like holding hand and mm-hmm. walking towards like you know not a utopia but yeah. just a be- like economic betterment or whatever. It it doesn't work like that at all. No, like, absolutely. You know, like you know, then then uh, you know the the working class has like a stretchy hand, yeah. you know, because like yeah, maybe they're they're walking towards a specific end, mm-hmm. but the rich is going getting there like so much faster. So. And- but this is the thing that is if he if he'd read any Marx, one of the like basic points is the antagonism of capitalism. Like, and the antagonism is that the divergence of wealth happens to such an extent that capitalism fails. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have inequality, it's not good for capitalism. It's like one of Marx's basic points about how labor functions in relation to wage. If you don't pay people you know it, it, you don't pay people enough they don't have enough money to purchase the products that the rich are making like this this, yeah, this basic notion was, of capitalism is just yeah, completely absent that was the key thing yeah. that just like peterson totally missed out on yeah. because he just fucking read the communist manifesto yeah surplus value exactly like, he didn't talk about that but at this all is the thing, you know it's a, a real point you know potentially the failure slash intensity of capitalism at this very point is because of inequality caused by speculative capitalism rather than actual production of products and how we didn't deal with 2008 and how the you know that those who footed the bill for 2008 were the poor and middle class and we are now does the level of inequality is inequality is insane and that that is a direct result of capitalism in and of itself yeah yeah, yeah. i'll be i'll be objective about it because we're yeah. talking about just like what peterson missed i think there's yeah. something crucial that Zizek forgot to mention. Okay. Yeah. Peterson talked about like lying. Yeah. So he was saying something like, find out where you lie to yourself mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. And then just don't do it. So what you know to yeah. be untrue, yeah. just don't like, you know, don't uh don't share that with other mm-hmm. people. It's like don't share the lie. I think that would have been a great moment for Zizek to go into his um his Donald Rumsfeld thing about mm-hmm, like no 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 knowns and unknown knowns. I yeah. think he would he should have gone into the whole like yeah. unknown known. So just mm-hmm. like yeah, okay, you know, you can go and like have this as a rule, but mm-hmm. at the same time, uh we have sort of like the unconscious mm-hmm. and it's just like we don't necessarily know 
what you know what about denial yeah you know yeah like you know you can believe that something is a lie just because you're in denial mm -hmm. or just because you want it to be a lie because mm -hmm. of your you know your unconscious desires mm -hmm. or your unconscious knows um so yeah i just i just felt like you missed like a good opportunity there to go into that I whole thing. and i said as he said like a piece and calling himself like a at least a depth psychologist yet just completely not taking into consideration the unconscious in relation to a lot of those things <laughs> yeah for someone that's like yeah. a clinical psychologist and like a union yeah yeah he's just like he never talks about the unconscious like i've, I've, I've almost I never know, it's, it's the about... idea of like uh, as you say like the hierarchies and relating it to like the lobster it's like well no lobsters don't have an unconscious yeah like so no <laughs> no yeah i mean that's it that's the like he doesn't take into account that mm -hmm. you know humanity is a break from nature yeah absolutely and, i know exactly it's like a it's a crack mm -hmm. um and yeah, we're like we're like aliens compared to lobsters yeah and you know as again you know this is why evolutionary psychology is such an odd thing really as in it, no when it comes to like the psyche the self yeah. thought the unconscious i just don't you know there's a there's a, like a, a stopping a stopping point there so what do you think what do you think the future is for jordan peterson uh he'll be fine do you think so he's a businessman yeah like i think that you know first he's a businessman and then he's like an academic mm -hmm. so i just think that this whole thing like he probably made tons of money from this mm -hmm. um so i think he'll be fine you know the best that probably happened with mm -hmm. all this is just like to create interest and in actual left us you know and, yeah, and that, that yeah. was like i love the way that zizek ended it's just like if you're a leftist mm -hmm. you don't yeah, have absolutely. to feel like if you have to become a liberal yeah yeah like you don't have to get into this whole like identity politics things like in fact like I, in Please fact don't. well don't yeah. via thought just yeah, like think exactly. for yourself like think, do you know this through. is one of the main problems that i have with throwing out anything you know so one can understand, a friend of mine is a lecturer at a university and she's telling me about how uh, trying to get the students to read Freud, it was like, it was almost traumatic for them, they wouldn't do it, they refused. And you can, I totally have empathy with students who are so burdened by debt. I mean, it's unbelievable. I feel like myself as a 30 year old, it was bad. Now it's even worse for, for students. You know, so, you know, the slow cancellation of the future, these people are profoundly traumatized and estranged by capitalism. So it's not surprising that people are, you know, reduced to identitarianism and that the this this form of liberal identitarianism involves the scapegoat of toxic masculinity or the white male. Hello again, welcome back. <laughs> we had technical issues. Um, I ran out of space on my laptop and I don't want to buy another one. So I didn't realise that it had run out of space and we were just talking to um, thin air uh, <laughs> for, for 20 minutes. So uh, we are here again to redeem that and talk into a microphone for 20 minutes. A day later because we... And if we... Uh, if we repeat ourselves, it's not our fault. It's the computer's fault, right? It's the computer's fault. Well, it's my <laughs> fault for being a total Scrooge. But I don't know. I like my this laptop I bought in 2015, and it turns out it's a 2012 model. So I feel a bit. It was the most up, up to date Mac that I could have bought in 2015, 
that I feel a bit like hard done by that I'm screwed out of three years. So doesn't doesn't the, the like the Apple computers have death drive inscribed into them? Yeah, don't they die on you? Like, they do. They on, definitely like, do. They're like, automated to die. The f- phones as well. After two two years, I've never had an Apple phone that's lasted more than two years. What is it that they they said that the battery dies or that it, it just stops functioning at its full potential? It's or like something? electronic senescence. I don't know. It seems pretty um, immoral. I do. I always wonder, like. This is so silly. This is this this like antagonism between like um, living, being of the world, and then also um, kind of examining the world that we live in and thinking like, what if one day I wanted to make like a TV series and I wanted to have it on Apple TV? <laughs> and like, the thing is, I wonder whether uh, capitalism is going to soon incorporate uh, any kind of critique of capitalism into capitalism itself. So you know, the best capitalists will be the self-aware capitalists. You know. <laughs> So anyway, where were we? You were, so, uh, we were, talking, you were talking about logic and, mm-hmm. you know, that it's not fair just to not read somebody like Freud mm-hmm. because, you know, he had maybe some uh, sexist tendencies or like he's a white male. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, so the idea that um, basically I, you know, the belief in the universal potential for logic and rationality and that those things are technologies and those technologies just like a car or like uh, medicine are things that can help us. Um, that's not to say that uh, other forms of uh, art and uh, perspectives on the world aren't necessary as well, and that uh, logic doesn't have limits, but a way that another technology that was developed through logic is Freud's work and psychoanalysis and a bearing in mind of the unconscious and a, it, psychoanalysis is also a technology but it's a rational technology so just the point that i believe in the universal potential for logic and that um we should not let identitarianism yeah. um, allow us to forget that well that was one of the nice things that zizek ended with mm-hmm. it's that you know if you're a leftist don't feel tempted to just blindly go into mm-hmm. this, you know, ideological thing of mm-hmm. identity politics mm-hmm. and, you know, or just liberals in general. And I thought that was like, you know, if for anything, like the whole debate was worth it just for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think that, you know, and this is this is what one of the things that we said, maybe even in the first episode, is just like left of liberals. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's a position that is very... Uh, uh, public mm-hmm. right now. I think mm-hmm. most leftists have been caught into this whole liberal mm-hmm. thing of like identity politics, mm-hmm. and it's not the same. It's just not the same. It's not the same. It's tempting because um, liberalism is kind of neoliberalism, and neoliberalism is capitalism, and we are all within capitalism, and it's very tempting to um, to do what is expected of us as a capitalist subject. And not to, not to, no. sorry, just quickly, not to mention that the logic of the particular belongs mm-hmm. and has always belonged to the right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this whole mm-hmm. conundrum of just yeah. like, what particularity do you belong to? Mm-hmm. You need, you know, the right pronoun mm-hmm. of the particular. It's just like, it, you know, that's that's the logic of the right. Yeah. And we have to remember that by, by um, entering into identitarianism, we are uh, allowing, we are like releasing the pressure of capitalism and allowing it to propagate. And that uh, what, you know, so you look at someone like Malcolm X versus certain movements now, and they are structurally very different, 
And so it's not to say that a lot of movements aren't at their core <clears throat> egalitarian and totally necessary, but we just have to, it's not even, you know, like Shijik's point that like, um, you don't have to be an identitarian as a leftist. It's like, don't be an identitarian, as in be aware that identitarianism and capitalism are part of one another. You know, Nazi Germany is a prime example of a kind of collective identitarianism. And, it, you know, this was at a point where almost because capitalism was failing, it's at its most intense. So the failure of speculative capitalism and um, World War II uh, in tw 1929 plus 1919 austerity from the Treaty of Versailles, you know, this this leads to something like identitarianism. And, you know, it's not the same to blame people for entering into identitarianism, but to, like, get people to realise that we have already analysed and understood what causes these things. And it's like an analysis, you analyse a symptom, identitarianism is a symptom. So we should be aware of the symptom and ask ourselves why we have got to this symptom and what we can do to prevent the symptom from emerging. Mm -hmm. And so what, what else did you think about the... Uh... Of the debate. Well, just something I wanted to say also about the idea of logic and rationality that certain um, people. By the way, just a, just a quick aside. Did you know that like Chapel Trap House wrote a book on like against logic and reason or something like that? I have to say. Because Ben Shapiro and yeah. all of these guys are like so into logic. And yeah, <laughs> this is the fallacy, okay? Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson. Listen to me, you aren't <laughs> logical people. They use the semblance of logic. If you actually listen to the um, contents of a, a, a like an intervention by Ben Shapiro, it is full of holes, mm -hmm. full of you know an absence of like dialectic. Dialectic is necessary; is a necessary part of logic. Jordan Peterson is not logical. That's why he has to talk so fast. Exactly. Yeah, you, you get bamboozled. Like being a good arguer is not being a good logician. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> yeah. So I think it is a fallacy to throw out lot. You know, I can understand why people have said, you know, I've heard it being said that I think therefore I am is a, is a racist concept because people believe that primitive people didn't think and therefore, you know, and I understand that. But I think that this is a misunderstanding of what that the intention of the phrase was and obviously there's a huge amount of context you know that has subsequently been arranged around that and i can totally understand it but we have to try to actually use proper logic to understand that a lot of right-wing interventions that are casting themselves as logical just aren't you know we've talked about peterson talking about fucking lobsters and if you have any if you have any notion of the unconscious or any 20th century thought it's patently ridiculous. Mm. So, and also, you know, the against logic, that is, you know, that's the highway to fascism in and of itself. You know, the new age, <laughs> I would say, scratch and I'm a therapist, you find a fascist. You know, without a bit, logic is a, um, you know, it's very, we, we are fallible beings as humans. We have uh, weird drives, weird compulsions. We have an unconscious that we can't control. So it's very difficult to manipulate logic. But, a lack of logic is the highway to fascism and fascism emerges at times when we like can't understand. Mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, like hippie, hippie is Well, not... you're duped into thinking that you have authority. Yes. And it's almost like ide- ideology emerges when there aren't proper answers and it's this like narrative story. But the more uncertain we are as humans, the more we tend to cling to certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, this cliche of a hippie fascist is not, it's not a cliche, it's cliche for no reason, you know. Yeah. And also Peterson talked about that there's no notion of nature on Marx's work. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's very important to remember that from a psychoanalytic perspective, humanity is a hiccup. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. A, it's an ontological hiccup mm-hmm. that uh, represents sort of like, you know, there's there's a life goes into death all of the time mm-hmm. and temporality gets inserted into that. And, mm-hmm. It's a he, she talks a bunch talks about it as a circuitous path that is paved by life drive, mm-hmm. but really, ultimately the end is is is, is death. Mm-hmm. But it's it's sort of like an aberration or some kind of corruption mm-hmm. from like mm-hmm. natural process of life, mm-hmm. which is to return to in an organic or inanimate yeah. state. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, and. Uh... I mean, Which is why the whole lobster thing just doesn't. It, why? I know we always talk about the lobster thing, but it's just like, just, just. Did, I don't know if we mentioned in the podcast already the idea that I, I heard one time when, um, I think it was uh, Brett Weinstein, who is the the Evergreen College guy. Did you hear about this? It's, who's like a he's like an evolutionary psychologist, and he was at this um, college that has like a it was mm-hmm. like a. It might have been in Black History Month or something, but it was like no white people were allowed to come to class. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but oh, kind of like know. that Wonder Woman. Didn't Wonder Woman have a, have a premiere that there was no man allowed? Or maybe it was Captain Marvel. That would have been even that would be even better. Capitalism, people. Capitalism. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So he's an evolutionary psychologist, and he's been on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I heard him give an example about like um, you know, it's like interesting to hear them try to like justify like sex and stuff, and. Um, it was about um, autoerotic asphyxiation and why that um, is a fetish for some people, why some people are aroused by it and why some people get aroused when they hang, they're hanged. And the like justification from... So that the notion of like sex and fetish and pleasure and masturbatory fantasy from like an evolutionary psychology perspective is like, well, there would have been somebody one time in history who... Um, like ejaculated just after they were dying and it was like an impulse for the body that like wants to plant its seed one last time Mm -hmm. just not understanding that fantasy and like sexual fantasy is is like part of an aberration that's not natural yeah yeah but just that 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 that, like explanation is just like absolutely nuts (laughs) but this is the point like people think that that's logic that's not logic that's Lack of education. Yeah. Yeah. So any any other thoughts on the on the debate? You know, um, I am really glad that Peterson... Uh, that Peterson... <laughs> that was the Freudian slip. Maybe I'm a, a secret Peterson admirer. No, I'm really <laughs> glad that uh, Zizek did it. I do worry that, um, you know, it, it might be certain new followers of Zizek who have historically taken a different position might give uh, an opportunity to liberals to uh, point their finger and call Zizek a fascist or a right-winger or something. And um, I hope that doesn't happen. 
Um, well, but then maybe it probably did, will happen. Yeah. Did you see that that Jacobin uh, article that came out? No. Sort of like dissecting the debate, but mm. they were practically just saying that like. Zizek has so much in common with Peterson already that mm -hmm. he's becoming sort of like a, a liberal and liberal in the classic sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand the hate. Um, it's, yeah, it's almost like Zizek is providing a solution and we don't want a solution. Of course, it's not like this center of debate, mm -hmm. of the debate, like... A, Debate Sorry, of the century. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> yes, uh, debate of the century. You know, even they were kind of laughing mm -hmm, about it on mm -hmm. stage. It's just like, you know, okay, this is not really it. Mm -hmm. But the possibility of both of them talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you were saying, like, there's this there's this primacy of, like, logic and, and reason. And really, there's no excuses at, mm -hmm. at that point. It's just if you are, if you're prepared. Mm -hmm. If you're proficient in logic, if you're proficient in, in reasoning, it's going to show. Mm -hmm. And it definitely showed that Peterson was really out of his depth. Yeah. And I don't think that it could have gone really any other way. Yeah. Um, I really, I don't know if we talked about this before uh, the recording ended uh, last time, but I really liked the point when Zizek asks Peterson um, to name one. Oh, yeah. Postmodern Marxists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, like, question mark, postmodern Marxists. Like, what? Yeah. Um, and didn't he mention Foucault and stuff? And, like, not yeah. knowing that, like, Foucault is, like, completely anti Marx. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I think, you know, one of the reasons why I was really glad it happened is the, you know, traditional European leftists need to. Um, reclaim the terms um because you know when we, we there's a podcast that we'll release um soon that we recorded with the author Todd McGowan talking about how um in under neoliberalism lots of kind of notions and traditional notions have been scrambled that like now actually something like the police uh are kind of like against capitalism almost that like you see this in Blade Runner 2049 um like corporation versus police um, and the state isn't necessarily as capitalistic as it used to, you know as in it's not like all these things that we have like as cliche notions are being scrambled and terms are being thrown around so like cultural marx um you know marxist or leftist uh with a you know that, that are associated with certain terms these days are just not that so when someone says a marxist maybe from a, like a peterson or slightly more conservative position they mean a liberal and they mm -hmm. mean it like a neoliberal or like a neoliberal identitarian rather than a right-wing identitarian. They don't mean Marxist. Mm -hmm. And I hope it was made clear that um, a Marx isn't the cult, the Marx, the communist manifesto. I mean, it's just a completely ridiculous fallacy to take one text from one given time written for a specific purpose to be like, this is everything like, Unless you've read Capital, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Um, Would you say that this is... Has anything really like this happened before? Historically. Since maybe Chomsky versus Foucault? In the... I think that was the 70s. I'm not sure. Chomsky is an interesting one. That's a whole different kettle of fish yeah no i'm not saying that they're like mm -hmm. great you know amazing mm -hmm. thinkers that i agree with or yeah. whatever but it's just you know they're very they're public intellectuals yeah you know? i mean it's interesting like is 
like Peterson is a YouTube intellectual, you know, so I think it's like a different era. I don't know if he's like a public intellectual, but he's definitely a YouTube intellectual. Well, I mean, um, it's kind of... Do it's the same of, thing? Well, maybe. I mean, like, I guess, like, yeah, P- Camille Pally would be like a public intellectual. Well, YouTube, you? I think YouTube is just like public, public domain, but yeah, with stats. Yeah, yeah so. that's true. That's true. No, I don't know if there's anything else to say, really. We had, as I said, we'd recorded the whole spiel that um, wasn't recorded. So maybe there are a few gems that we just, <laughs> probably not. But any, <laughs> any other thoughts? Um, no, I don't think so. If I remember anything, I'll mention it in a, in a following episode. In another episode. Yeah. Yeah, but basically it's good that it happened. Uh, it's good that uh, like a European continentally minded Marx... Marx, Hegel, Freud type person mm-hmm. put their flag in the ground and claimed uh, a certain perspective that has been accused of being something that isn't. Um, I'm excited that other people will be finding Zizek. I think it's an opportunity to spread his influence. And um, I kind of feel embarrassed for Peterson. I kind of feel bad. Yeah. But, um, I, although he seemed kind of... Um... He seemed, seemed graceful yeah. in admitting yeah. sort of like the very obvious defeat. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, and like as, you know, Peterson is just doing, so, you know, you have to like blame blame the system, not the symptom, you know, and like why has Peterson emerged at this time and like what is he trying to cover over or respond to and what is lacking? Well, it's just another iteration of the figure of the Jew, you know. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, to him, his whole thing is just based on, like, the antagonization of postmodern yeah. cultural Marxists. And mm-hmm. that's obviously has, mm-hmm. like, a like a Jewish background to it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But it's funny, it's like toxic masculinity. It's almost like toxic masculinity is, like, just a displacement of capitalism. And that's the other thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just very, it's very fashionable right now to say that individual choices can change the, pan- the, the, mm-hmm. the political panorama mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. live in. Mm-hmm. And I think he's all about that. Yeah, I think he's, he's definitely all about like taking responsibility, like the fallacy of taking responsibility. Yeah. yeah. But it's an interesting one. And he's an interesting figure and we will no doubt be talking about him again. I, I do find him endlessly fascinating, I must say. In a masochistic way. In a masochistic and in an annoyment way. But anyway, <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Thanks for listening. All right. And uh, I was just going to say, see you next time, but that's not true. <laughs> Speak to you next time. Speak to you next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye.